I've always been a fan of and a contributor to local press. In high school, my friend Suzanne got me a gig as typing editor. Yes, that was a real job. I was a wicked fast typist and would type up everyone's articles for them. Later, I became a TV columnist covering dramas like Dynasty and Dallas. Then senior year, I was promoted to managing editor, which is probably the second most powerful role after editor-in-chief in any paper. You help shape what goes in and what does not, as well as run paper operations. Back then, we went to press. Our local town paper in suburban New Jersey was the Springfield Leader, which would come to our driveway every week. I liked reading the news of places I knew well, local politics, which my parents were active in. My dad was also the town judge, so I'd skim the police blotter to see what happened last week. DWIs, burglaries, or how dad ruled in a traffic violation. And it was always a thrill for me to be mentioned in the pound paper directly. One clipping I saved was at a big tennis tournament that I was in. Zucker seated second, it optimistically said. Next week was admittedly a much smaller item, reporting that Zucker was defeated 6-0-6-1-6-0. At Jewish summer camp, journalism came in handy. One summer, I taught the journalism club to little campers. For it, I created Camp Harlem's official camper-run newspaper, the Harlem Chutzpah. For young campers interested in the free press and who love to write, I would brief them on the what, where, why, and how of a really good piece, and then send them out into the fields with pencils and pads, telling them not to come back until they found a really great story. Later, I was scolded for sending children it unsupervised, but the mimeograph machine never printed such headlines as it did that summer. If I've learned anything, is that local papers are lifeblood of communities. The local press has changed so much in the last two decades. So many weekly or daily newspapers have been shuttered. I worked in advertising, so I saw part of the reason firsthand. Local classifieds moved online, imploding one of the biggest tools that local papers supported themselves with. At times, I even thought about switching my career from copywriter to journalist. It'd be writing still, but with a byline. In 2013, while I was out of work for a few months, I learned how to start pitching stories to publications, started writing for Forbes.com, and I got a gig myself writing for Chelsea Now, the neighborhood freebie in those street boxes. It taught me a lot how to interview people, how to profile businesses. It reinforced skills like telling a story in a clear, ordered way, with facts. What I've noticed is that the local press isn't just features and feel-good puff pieces, though. National press swoops in and reports for two minutes, but local press uncovers wrongdoing, being able to revisit a story multiple times and put it in a context of your daily life. Small businesses also depend on local press, maybe too much. This topic runs deep in me. And if you're lucky enough to move to a small town where the same person who runs your coffee shop is also your assembly person and whose cousin is on the school board, whose neighbor is the fire chief, and the daughter of the farmer where you buy vegetables is petitioning for a fence law because there is not one, well, you'll care about local press too. I'm Matt Zucker, and this is City It, learning to live and love life in the Hudson Valley. When Brian and I first moved up here, I looked around for local press. There was Northern Duchess News you'd find in stores with its community calendar, transpiration updates, and letters to the editor. There was Hudson River View, which is free and mailed to us. Lots of local tidbits, real estate, plus, of course, God's Corner. There's also Chronogram Arts Magazine, for which city it's a finalist for Best Regional Podcast. Voting's already started April 1st through May 15th. Please do. I also subscribe, though, 
to the Poughkeepsie Journal, one of the country's oldest newspapers. And I support the other Hudson Valley blog run by Roger Gilson for his investigative pieces. What's more, I read The River, which calls itself the Hudson Valley Newsroom. The site I found most recently, however, is Imbi, in my backyard, founded by Enid Futterman and John Isaacs. I spoke to Enid and John and talked to them about their experience moving up here long before I did and how they started a business. I think you'll be inspired by what they built and their wisdom on local press and its role in our communities. John also introduced me to the idea of a Britiot, a British Cityot. Ready to meet John and Eden? I think you'll like them. Do you remember the transition when I talk to a lot of people that are thinking of moving up here from the city and I always encourage it, there's always that kind of fear of that first year and what the transition's like. Do you remember what it was like for you? Um, I missed the city enormously. Um, though I was continuously visiting and had business there. So, you know, I was in once or twice a week, um, as I still was until at least the pandemic arose. Um, but I, I, I was brought up in the, I'm a, I'm a city person in as much as I'm really a London, spent most of my adult life either in London or New York. And I never thought I would leave New York City. Um, but I did grow up in the country, so it wasn't entirely unfamiliar to me. And I grew up in a, in a part of Britain that in, had, had much in common with the Hudson Valley. So um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't such an such a overwhelming change uh, to confront, but I certainly missed the city, um, but slowly felt, I would say over the course of two or three years, began to really appreciate country living again. And certainly the, um, the affordability of it, so much less hassle, um, all of those things. And I was living in very nice circumstances in Germantown, a lovely house. And I really, I, I valued very much um, the country setting. However, I will say that I don't think I could have tolerated it without the frequent trips and stayovers in the city. What's your advice for folks about, about how to best make that transition for Brian? And we, and I, we started with like the weekend thing and then we added a day and then we added another day and then we added another day. And then over time, we finally kind of eased our way in almost like water boiling around us. But do you have any advice for other folks who are thinking of making it? Well, it depends on how attached you are to the city. And, you know, because I grew up in it, it was my city. In fact, I once wrote a lyric called My City uh, for a musical, but I, I felt that way and I felt possessive about it. But if, if people you know, come when they're young to Manhattan or Brooklyn or Queens or wherever from Ohio or Illinois, I don't think the transition is that um, wrenching. And I think they can probably make it in, you know, a couple of months. And, and many of them do, many of them just move here with, you know, from Brooklyn or wherever they are without really thinking about what it will be like. But if, you know, if you are deeply embedded in its aura and its history and its energy and its, you know, the theater also is very important to me because I, I also write musical theater. So it was, you know, it was hard for me 
that's the only piece yeah. of it that I really miss. I, but I, unless you are like that, the way I was, you don't have to do such a slow dissolve. You can, you can make a fast cut. John, sorry. I would add that I think, you know, in, in the, the couple of decades that I've spent upstate, um, it's changed so much. I mean, when, yeah. when, I, when I moved up here in the 90s, it, it really was something of an outpost. There wasn't a whole lot going on. You know, there were people who had second homes and people who had already moved up from the city, but they were, you know, they were few and far between. Now there are so many ex-city people and there's so much kind of, even our little, even little Hudson has its own particular kind of metropolitan vibe. And with so much going on, I mean, one thing I have found um, and quite distinctly um, until the pandemic hit, at least, is that I actually had a much rich, I have actually had a much richer and more diverse and more interesting social life living up here in the country than I really ever did in the city where I had a smaller circle of, circle of friends. Yes, I loved the buzz, and you know the the density of the population but as far as my own social life was concerned i think it was really enhanced up here especially in recent years since uh, since the area has become you know such a cultural center and so on that's great to hear i always think about you know people do we give up the diversity but you're saying no in your circle in you my case increased it. Uh, you know i i haven't i haven't felt that my social life has suffered in the least Tell me about um, being a city. You know, I, I talk a lot about how I really had no what I was doing. I couldn't use a wrench. I was learning about septic systems. I have had a steep learn, learning curve. How do you relate to that word, or maybe maybe not at all, about the, the adjustment? Well, I do. I never lived in a house in my life before this house. I, you know, I had no idea how to, you know, I, I had to ask people where the furnace, you know, things, very basic things. And I still don't garden. I still don't know how to dig a, you know, a hole and plant a something. And, uh, and something, whatever, you know. And I, you know, I like the idea of it, but I never have time and I'm not sure I really want to anyway. Uh, and, you know, so yeah, it was, it was a big learning curve too take care of the house, especially after Richard died and it was mine, uh, I inherited it. I think we all probably feel like city it's in another sense uh, that we, you know, we, we don't really, we're not part of the local community even after we're here for decades um, or we're not committed. Decades, I was hoping it was just like 10 years and I'd be in. No, forget it. Um, you know, I, well, it's a, it's, there's a difference between how you feel and how the locals feel about you. Uh, I certainly feel like I belong here now, and I think John does too, and we do, and we're very much embedded in the community because of what we do, but, but there's still that divide, and it's, you know, it's city, country, it's you know, it's native newcomer, it's Democrat, Republican, you know, I, I, I did it the wrong way around, but there really is 
um, a very, you know, there, there are some people who overlap. There are some people who grew up here who, uh, you know, are, you know, really embrace both communities or know, or, you know, are, are welcome in and, and comfortable in both communities. But it's, it's not easy. And it's not, you know, it's, it's hard to, to talk about the things that the way we envision the future here for, you know, for people, but also for the landscape, for farming, for, you know, there's so much that, um, you know, you come here with attitudes that are, I think, good and conscious and important, but we have to be careful not to uh, assume that we're in charge. <laughs> or at the, right. same, at the same time, we also have to not assume that we're not entitled to express ourselves and to, you know, and to uh, right. affect change, good change and try to prevent negative change. This episode of City is lucky to be sponsored by Ledgewood Kennel, a premier full-service pet facility in Millerton, New York, serving New York State, Connecticut, and Massachusetts. For dogs, cats, birds, fish, and ferrets, Ledgewood offers boarding, grooming, doggy daycare, and training, and get this, a pool for dogs. The pool is also part of a growing international sport of dock diving, in which, get this, dogs compete in jumping for distance, height, and speed retrieval. You may have seen Ledgewood host competitions on the CBS Early Show. I need to watch videos of dogs dock diving. Plus, with competitive rates, early access to the city, Ledgewood Kennel sits on a large working form with open land and beautiful views. Planning your first trips post-pandemic? Doing a getaway and can't bring the dog or cat? Visit LedgewoodKennel.com and tell them City at sent you. Now back to the episode. So tell me about um, working up here and what, what you've done for, for a living and maybe how that led to Imbi. Uh, John, do you want to speak about oh, that um, or not? No, I'm very happy. Um, I mean, I have, have had my own independent um, profession and business for many, many years, which I began in Manhattan, which is a design and publishing business. Um, and my clients are mostly in the art world. I design art books and art catalogs and have done you know, branding programs for many different kinds of businesses and organizations, some large, some small, some local, some larger. Um, and I've kept that going uh, ever since I moved up here. Um, but I've also had an ongoing interest in journalism. Um, during the time, the, the years that I first moved up here in the 1990s, um, I was involved in uh, launching um, uh, a rather, rather ambitious um, quarterly um, about spiritual ideas and uh, social ideas and so on um, in conjunction with an organization in the city and um, learned through that process, uh, even though I have no, no training, particularly as a journalist, 
um, I learned, learned the tricks of the trade about uh, hiring writers and so on, and how to produce a beautiful looking magazine. And uh, that, uh, that enterprise continued for um, seven or eight years and then folded. And I think that that was what gave me an appetite for continuing my interest in magazine publishing. And Enid and I, who were together by that time, came up with the idea of publishing uh, a, lo a local quarterly, uh, which would focus, at the, when we had the idea, it was really specifically on our little town of Claverock, where we had begun to get involved in um, political issues and community issues and so on. And it seemed like there was a need for a publication that would, um, that would bring the community together, um, particularly in respect of the, the kind of the two sides, the, the newcomers and, um, and the people who were, who were brought up here and have lived up here all their lives. And so we started publishing this, you know, as a kind of side, side operation, it was called Our Town. And we continued publishing it um, more or less quarterly. Um, and uh, we, that, through, the, through that process, we, we, we hired you know, the best writers around and so on and tried to make a publication that was um, really original and interesting and not the usual kind of ad rack that local publications tend to be. It was also beautiful. John designed it very beautifully. It was very large, you know. I could... How did you distribute it? Where did you sell it? We, we didn't sell it. We gave we it away. We didn't sell it. We, we, first, in the beginning, we mailed it to every household in Claverick. Then we expanded it to the, its focus to include step-by-step step different communities of Columbia County. And we began, we had it distributed by hand to outlets throughout the county, you know, gas stations, convenience stores, all kinds of places. Restaurants. Uh, they, flew off, they flew off the shelves, you know, in well, depth. They well, were pretty beautiful. much. And they, um, it was much, much loved and it got better and better and thicker and thicker. Oh and it was supported by advertising. Um, more or less, which just about covered its expenses, nothing for us. It was a labor of love for us, but the printing expenses were covered and so on. But it eventually became a too much more that we, than we wanted to commit to. And we wanted to do something, having created a successful um, print newspaper, by this time, the internet was totally taking off. We're talking about yep. early uh, 2011 or something. We say, well, why not? Let's put it online rather than have to cover the printing expenses. And then having made that decision to put it online, it occurred to us that we could create an online, not version of our town, but an online local community newspaper that could be replicable anywhere. And that was the motivation for starting IMBI. The idea is to, has been all along to build a template that any community anywhere can adopt for local community interaction. What's very different to me for 
MB though is not, it's not just an online publication moved online, but I can kind of write articles and submit and it has, anyone can kind of publish and it's yeah. curated by, by either interest area or by, by town. So there is a twist to it that's very different. It's very different. And we, we decided upon that. There were steps along the way. The first, the first idea was, well, let's just, let's just franchise our town and, you know, sell the template to other people in other communities and they can pay us an annual fee. And then we thought, well, it's too much work and not enough money and nobody else is going to want to do what we do and that's that doesn't work and then we thought about franchising it online and then we thought that's you know there was a point at which I think actually a friend suggested it and said well why don't you just I don't remember what what words he used but he said why don't you you just you don't have to hire writers just let everybody write it and and it was a kind of eureka moment and that's what we did. And that is what makes it very different from, for example, Patch or Nextdoor, which are, you know, well, Nextdoor is a whole other animal, but Patch is a, a hyper-local network like IMBI, but it's not, you know, we prefer, the term in internet parlance is user-generated content, but we, which you probably know, like Facebook and Twitter and all of them, but we prefer to call it citizen journalism because we want MB to be and we think it is more substantive and that people can write stories, they can write news, features, opinion, reviews, you know, any anything. And more and more they do. Uh, it, it takes some time. People still send me things and say, you know, can I publish this as a letter to the editor or can you post this for me or would you or would you write a story you know they don't quite get it and they that there's a period of education in each community that has to take place before they understand that it's really about the community creating its own digital newspaper you've seen a lot of changes um since you've been up here what do you predict about where where our area of the Hudson Valley, Duchess and Columbia, what will it look like in, in a couple of years? Well, Columbia remarkably um, has, you know, maintained its rural, its rural atmosphere. Um, I mean, Duchess, though so there, there, there are parts of Duchess that, that are not dissimilar from Columbia County. Uh, it's uh, at an entirely different level of development. And as you go north, it becomes so as well, even, you know, even in the far reach, the northern reaches of Columbia County, like Kinderhook, the population density. But there's this, you know, broad swath of, uh, you know, Taconic and Ancrum and Germantown and so on. That's, um, that's really the last, uh, the last truly rural area between New York City and the Capital District. Mm. Whether it'll get developed, I have no idea. I don't know well, what constraints there are on. I mean, well, other than other than, a, other than a rising consciousness about the need to preserve rural communities, um, we'll have to see what you know what laws and regulations um, are put into place to to protect it. Um, I mean, you've got wonderful organizations like the Columbia Land Conservancy who go to you know, tremendous lengths to, to argue the need 
but given that it's the only really rural community. Yeah, uh, but it, it's under threat right now. Yeah, it's in, under in, in a really big way. And it's not just from, you know, ordinary development. It's there. It's actually, I mean, I think of it as under threat from Albany, from Cuomo in particular. He has an agenda which on the surface looks very good. You know, it's about, uh, it's about transitioning to renewable energy in a certain period of time. Uh, and it sounds great, but it ignores certain facts about life in, in upstate New York. And there are two very big projects that are being pushed fast-tracked right now, especially this, well, it's, it affects Dutchess as well. Um, it's, it's the transmission line project that is supposedly going to streamline their power lines, but it's tripling the, the um, voltage that each power line will, there are fewer power lines, but each one is going to have triple the voltage and be 10 feet taller. So they'll be over the tree line. And, you know, there were, I mean, I don't, you probably weren't here when this started, but I think around 2014, this began and there was a lot of opposition. And yeah, I read about it, I remember seeing the signs. Yeah, and now they're just, bulldozing it through and and it, it's very disturbing but can i add that the 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 power of community action up here uh is very potent um if i mean i don't we you weren't here matt when the the cement plant issue arose do you do you know what i'm referring yes to? i did hear about this yeah. yes i was here it was a huge huge yeah. threat to uh, hudson and its environs and it really brought the community together in opposition to it in a quite remarkable way. I mean, it was seminal, not only in Columbia County or in the Hudson Valley, but at, at a national level, it was an extraordinary movement that, um, that involved a huge number of people. And really that movement was a catalyst for all kinds of environmental and community action. Um, and I see no reason why um, that kind of energy, which certainly exists up here in, in, a, in, a, in an even far more amplified way, um, couldn't be harnessed to, you know, resist, uh, resist the projects of, you know, big business and developers and so on. So, you know, I'm fairly sanguine about it. I, I think that, that um, the resources are here to protect to protect the landscape, the rural way of life. And I'm pretty optimistic, but you never know. You well, know, I, I'm not as optimistic as you are. Who's, who's gonna be in power or what their interests are. But this again, this is a, a, a central reason, this kind, of, this kind of issue, these kind of issues are a central reason for having um, a, really, um, a really lively local press. Because without, without press, um, you know, really without that, the witness that press provides and the interactivity, especially now, um, you, you could be under a lot of threat.
Talking to Enid and John, I learned more about these topics, including how some of the solar projects I revere are to provide energy downstate versus in the area. It doesn't make it a bad thing, but the lack of education about how the state works and what's being discussed really highlights for me the need of a strong local press. As John said, to bear witness. Imbi to Enid and John, provides a platform that only journalism can and guides others to participate. It currently covers 31 towns and communities, mostly in Columbia County, New York, and Berkshire County, Massachusetts, plus Red Hook and Dutchess, Athens, and Catskill and Green, with plans to expand further in the valley to the rest of Dutchess County, the rest of Green, and beyond. If you want to stay close to what's happening in your town, village, hamlet, or small city, visit mb.com. You can also publish a piece yourself or share local news directly. I've written one so far, and I'm encouraged now to take another pass at it. There are links to hard news, soft news, events, environment, local food, local living, body, soul, even fiction and memoir. Also, you'll find lots of local businesses to support, which I've always used local press to use as a guide for. Thank you, Enid. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks for listening to City It. I hope you'll support local press like MB. You can find it at mb.com and browse the news and create a free account. Thank you also to our sponsor, Ledgewood Kennel in Millerton, New York. If you're looking where to host your fur babies for a trip or looking for daycare or grooming, try Ledgewood. Tell them City It sent you. Be sure to subscribe to City It wherever you listen to podcasts. And please, please vote for us at Chronogram for best regional podcast. Get vaccinated and come visit.